Hello, this is Lila Glasso-Francis. I am president of the board of the Carolyn Glasso-Bailey Foundation, and I am delighted today to bring you a podcast um, with artist Cruz Ortiz in conversation with our executive director of the foundation, Mr. Frederick Janka. Cruz Ortiz, who lives and works in San Antonio, Texas, uses painting, print, sculpture, drawing, and public activation to address issues related to his experiences growing up in the bicultural landscape of South Texas. Please sit back and enjoy. Uh, well, welcome. Uh, my name is Frederick Jenka. I'm the executive director of the Carolyn Glasser Bailey Foundation. Uh, I would like to introduce Cruz Ortiz from, is that working? Yeah. From San Antonio, Texas. Um, he is our artist in residence for the day, which, <laughs> which um, I think is really part of our effort. One of our, our, our future goals is really to develop um, a artist residency program here in Ojai. So we're, we're taking some baby steps as we work towards a larger goal. Um, but uh, having worked with Cruz previously at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Santa Barbara, um, and our ongoing conversations, he was um, a, a quite a perfect, um, you know, first artist in residence to um, to bring to the foundation. Um, so originally from San Antonio, Texas, um, he has, uh, I, I think, probably one of the at least one of the exhibitions that I'm most familiar with is um, Sightlines, which was curated by Rita Gonzalez at um, LACMA and also traveled to a few a few venues. Um, and I think for me, that was really one of the exhibitions that um, that brought Cruz Ortiz to um, a wider uh, uh, sort of curatorial or critical acclaim. Um, and uh, I think that it still resonates as a very important exhibition that looked at um, uh, Latino and Chicano art, uh, contemporary uh, Chicano art, while um, presenting sort of a more in-depth background and history and chronology of influence and how that how that sort of came together. Um, he was one of two artists from Texas, so primarily that exhibition focused on artists from California. Um, so. That was a, a really great opportunity for him, and I think, um, you know, to this day is still um, proven to be a, a, a seminal exhibition. Um, I'm trying to think what else on your bio we should talk about here. Uh, I think one of the things that I also appreciate greatly about Cruz is um, his political activism. So we'll talk a little bit about that in some of the the portraiture work that he's been, the studio portraiture he's been doing recently. Um, but we'll, you can also see from some of the posters and t-shirts on the table, um, he uh, uh, does have a very um, uh, active um, support of especially uh, Democratic candidates in um, Texas and immigrant, um, and immigrant rights. Um, and, uh, oh, I have to, um, preface this before is that um, his wife is um, in the room, Olivia Ortiz. Um, she is also um, his muse in a, very in a very literal sense. Um, you'll see her featured in many of his paintings. Um, 
I will also add that another thing that excites me about his work as a painter is he is using a lot of sort of classical modes of, of, um, of painting, um, studio portraiture, um, still life painting, um, and uh, plein air painting. Um, I said this in Santa Barbara yesterday, but you know, Santa Barbara, there's a whole school of Santa Barbara plein air painters. And, um, you know, that's not necessarily something that exciting to me, um, but having come across Cruz, and I think especially some of his um, plein air moonlight paintings um, uh, ha has really um, excited me and sort of challenged uh, my assumptions about what, what that can, can mean and do. Um, so I think that's kind of how I'm introducing you. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we, I wonder, I guess maybe let's start just quickly. I, I said something about that being an artist in residence for a day. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of what we're thinking about with this residency is like, how do you actually make it so it's something that benefits artists? Sometimes like, how do you actually take three months or two months or a week or how do you take that out of your normal day and have the resources to keep up that you know that day-to-day -day, pay the rent do all your stuff and then create that space to work um so maybe you can talk about how um you enjoyed your um artisan residence well i i thank you so much everyone for actually putting me out there it's been great freddie's insane and super smart and awesome so it's been really awesome um but uh, going to that question, I you know I I've done residencies before in Texas and um, and abroad where I was there and I just don't have the attention spans I think like I think my work is pretty immediate and direct and so yeah let's do this like, I mean it's like going on a camping trip or something like just figure it out when you get there so it's been really fun. Um, so let's since this is a conversation on love and loss. Um, let's talk about love in your work. And um, our listening party last night was called Puro Love, Pure Love, and it was love songs. Yeah. So can you talk about the role of maybe love songs and also music in your, in your <coughs> practice? Yeah, so the, a lot of, uh, most of my work is, you know, I, I guess I'm known for lots of text-based type of works. Um, and it's only because I wanted to reflect the where I come from. It's it's Texas, so it's like it's insane. Like when y'all think of Texas, I'm sure y'all think of like cowboy hats and all that kind of stuff. It's true. It's all true. Um, but there's something amazing about just the language of, of stuff there. And like I always tell people, my mom didn't know English or Spanish. She knew Tex-Mex, and so like every time she would talk, it was just chopped up stuff. So like. You know, yo quiero un, you know, un taco de, you know, or no, I just, it would switch around and it was never a big deal for me because that's how I understood. And so, like, you have all these Mexican-Americans in Texas going to Spanish class in high school and you're like, why am I fading? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of interesting. And, and I think that was one of the things, the key components of understanding what mixing and the beauty of that, right? The the amazingness and the, the 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 human relationship of just people meeting each other and talking, and figuring the communication idea, um, 
And so that's very, in my sense, a very romantic idea. And I think that was a big thing for me was, um, okay, let's step back. What does romance mean? Like it's, it's, it's like being hungry because you haven't eaten because she broke your heart. And it sucks. It sucks so hard. Like if I think, I would, I taught high school for 15 years and I go, how many of y'all have been in love? And of course, you know, Bitch, just put your hands down. <laughs> put your hands down because you have no idea what it means to be in love. And it's going to hurt. And I would always tell them when they graduate, rule number one, get your heart broken. Man, give everything you have and just allow it to have slaughter. Just shred it. Because after that, that's when you really start to learn what it means have a relationship and like the idea of that like to understand like how to have to treasure people who are in front of you at the moment now so all that stuff obviously is pretty deep and intense but I thought okay that's what I want to focus on in my work and so uh, being from Texas I thought and and I come from a punk rock background so was, music was always like the key for me and I love punk rock because it was DIY and it was, you know, learn three chords and fuck yourself, man. And it was like immediate expression. And like the immediacy has always been attracted to me. So, like, even my paintings, like, I think Plain Air for me, it's, there, there's definitely the strategies and the uh, components are historical references that make sense for me. But even more so, it's just the immediacy of, of getting it done at that moment. And that's the romance. The romantic part of just, you know what? I want to fall in love right now. Like, <laughs> let's just do it. Like, and it becomes like this cool flex. And I think that's been always the attraction for where people like when I do these things and people see the work, they're like, oh, <laughs> I love you too. Like, it just it's just hilarious. So it becomes hilarious too. So because mm -hmm. it deals a lot with risk. Like, what love is supposed to be about. It's, you take risk, and naturally, uh, music uh, was always that component. I had that component, but it was the the vehicle that I understood as far as artists. And so, like, oh yeah, so this is yeah. the cue. You cued me up. Good. <laughs> I, I didn't so, mean to do that. So, that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, so the question you get asked often is, who are who are your favorite? Who are some of your favorite artists? And what's your response? Right, and I usually tell them it's George Strait. You know, Vicente. Fernandez, um, gosh, Buck Owens, <sighs> Buck Owens. You know, this those folks spoke to me as far as the approach of making art. I mean, I could talk about the formal, you know, representations of the the, the folks that you know I really treasure. You know, Joseph Boys, you know, De Kooning, all these folks. Like they were so important. Manet has just been my my really love right now. But also, Alice, obviously, Alice Neal. Oh, yeah, Alice Neal, uh, you know, Sister Corita, all that stuff makes makes the formal sense for me, and I get it. But, man, when I listen to George Strait, like, all my exes live in Texas. Are you fucking kidding me? Yes, that makes more sense to me. <laughs> like, I, I'm going to reflect on that and use that vehicle more. So. Well, since now we're, we're on the topic of music and songs, should we play the, the first song and... Do you want to set up the song, or should we listen to it and then you talk about it? No, I'd like to set it up. Okay. But, um, 
So I, I love listening to music, you know, I, I would tell my students too, is like, you know, Vicente Fernandez, which is like this classic Mexican mariachi, he's probably the sexiest man in Mexico. Like, just like, <laughs> you know, like, he'll just, like, my, my, my tornus drop, damn, like, so they, like, he's sexy, and like, any person in Mexico, like, well, chante, chante, and it's just like, wow, that's amazing. Um, and then, Johnny Cash, like I always tell my kids, like they're the same thing. They're talking about the same damn thing. And so I'm always looking at different artists. And recently there's this artist out of uh, Golden, Texas, just east of uh, Dallas. And uh, she's a little cute thing. And she's doing like this kind of like vintage look of country, classic country, like Texas gold. Just, you know, urban cowboy coming back. And, and there's a little trend, and, you know, we're in San Antonio, so Austin's there, so it's a big music town, so there's kind of this neat little funky thing going on, and Casey Musgraves is one of, is the artist that just, I just love her, it's just, and this song is just, it just reminds me of my wife, and it's just like, yes, this is the song, so, so yeah, bear with me, I'm, I'm also going to play it for my phone, because, I don't know, so we've been having trouble for that. Make sure you're on the 5.1. Can you hear that? Wow, your phone's so loud. <laughs> it's pretty pretty.
Makes me think about obviously how um, important uh, these portraits of Olivia have become, mm-hmm. and um, in some of our conversations, we've, you know, you've mentioned, oh, this was the first one, yeah. or you know, without going into too much detail, this was, you know, when you know she was having, she was sick, and you know, these are these different moments along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked you today while you were doing her portrait outside, you know, is there a moment where you remember her body? You're not painting her, but you're remembering her. Um, and which made me think about that relationship of, of, of having a, a uh, what's the term, a, a, a subject to, pour, uh, to paint. And what that what happens between the painter and the the subject during um, during that time? So I don't know if you, there's there's something you want to. <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I think there's it, it's a really interesting thing, and I think um, it relates to I guess process. As an artist, you you're really cautious about your process, and it's the one of the things that like I, artists overthink so much. Oh my God. Who would you stop thinking would be great? And, and I think that's the part that I like about these plain air paintings or the sittings. So I'll have someone sitting right in front of me and I'm painting. And I'm not thinking because it's become muscle, muscle memory for me to just pay attention and direct observation type of approach to making work. And because that is scooted aside, I'm talking to them. And I get to learn who they are. And it's become like this beyond the artist and the stimulus relationship, it's become a relationship. And it's not about me gaze. Like that's always an amazing topic about you know artists and, and the artist gaze. Well, this is I don't do that. Like and and something tells me maybe they didn't either. Like, I don't know, it's be interesting so to see that. Day. The, the artists, like back, like if we think about artists in the, the artist gaze, like Olympia, or male gaze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I don't know if there was, like, maybe, I don't know. It, it's, that's a whole other genre. We, thing. we could definitely talk about that. Yeah, forever. <laughs> so, but when I'm there, like, when I'm, you know, seeing someone and I'm painting them, and then, like, should I say someone? Like, no, no, you can look around like that. It's two, three hours, you know, you see Cobra. You see Cobra. And so we're just talking, and they're just moving, and, and every now I was like, hey, you know what? Can you move your hand back there? Like, just I'm like, okay. And I'll take a picture of it because I know they're going to be moving. So I'm like, all right, cool. You're fine. So then I keep going. And it becomes this really cool relationship thing that, and it becomes documentary. Uh, I'm documentary a moment in time where I'm really paying attention to this person. And I think that's so important. Like, I, I, I always think about that. Like, what's important now? What's, what's the person in front of me at that moment? So that kind of stuff becomes really interesting and it's totally portrayed in, in the work where, you know, sometimes they're finished, sometimes they don't. And so now I look at like Alice Neal's work, a lot of her works don't look finished. And I know why, because they had to go. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Or they, she was just yapping her mouth. Yeah, she was yapping her mouth and just cha-cha-cha-cha and just 
painting and like, oh, you know what, it's ticking late, let's just get the hell out of here. And then it's done. Because it's true. It's done. The documentary is done. Like, she's already... The that part, moment in time. Yeah, and it's and the painting becomes a residue of that moment. And it's the documentary part. It's the artifact. Um, so it's kind of neat like, to start freaking that, you know, just thinking about those complex, you know, relationships and objects. Um, and is there anything, you know, without embarrassing her too much, but is there anything, um, you know, about, about how this series of paintings of Olivia has evolved? Anything that maybe you thought about at the beginning that you're not thinking about now or that you're still thinking about? Yeah. One, one of the main things is that, um, I, again, I, I'm always reading on history and I think for some reason, like when you said, I'm in Texas. And I was one of two artists. Like, so I'm not in the epicenters of contemporary art. <laughs> Granted, right? Like, I have rivers. I have, you know, the deserts. I have, th those are my epicenters. And I think um, the work tends to look different, right? And so my purpose becomes different, right? And so for me, we have, a fa we have five crazy kids Two, two are really ridiculous, and I just want to kill them right now. They're teenagers. Uh, but as I, I, I continue this series of painting their mom, and it becomes like, oh, man, this is kind of This is cool. And I, reading art history, you see, like Picasso did that. Like other artists have always painted like their significant others. And, you know, Felix Gonzalez, Torres, like all these stories about the relationship they had and like preserving that legacy of their relationship. So I thought, <laughs> I'm going to do that. That's cool. Like, like it becomes more, you know, of like, you know, and of course it was like, you know, some of them, a lot of people like them, so they buy them. And I'm like, no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm still here, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it becomes kind of funny uh, in that sense, but um, for the most part, you know, it becomes that building the documentary and just. And I was telling you know we were talking this earlier like at lunch and talking about the importance of all of us understanding our moment now, and and writing documenting what we have because man like that's who, who we are we want to be remembered like and then it becomes that romantic thing like i just want to be remembered we all do so it's so important to like leave those legacies you know and not just leave them but leave them in but someone's going to take care of it so then you know that's the other part like well shoot i'm going to and so that's another whole thing that's really important. So it's pretty fun. I'm having fun. <laughs> I think too much. <laughs> well, let's let's go down the thinking too much um, <laughs> line here because I like it. Um, but something that we talked about uh, last night as well, um, and we've said romance and romantic, and you know this is repeated. I, I keep hearing it coming up, um, but we had started talking about sort of the evolution of romance, romance, the romance languages as right. they're known and um, sort of the tradition of the love song or love poem and, um, 
you know, the, the troubadour tradition um, or, or history um, in Europe um, and how that sort of all started in this, or some scholars uh, determined that to sort of evolved in this moment in, um, uh, in El Andalus, Andalusian Spain, when, you know, this was the seat of the, the Muslim caliphate and um, a moment, I think something like 200 years, where the, the Muslims, Jews, and, and um, Christians were, were um, thriving, mathematics, art, um, romantic poetry, and how, um, how that tr tradition evolved. And it was really, it evolved in the beauty of all that learning and gain for humankind was about these mixing of cultures and mixing of words and the words we have today and some of and where the you know algebra or I guess that's kind of a, a, a stupid one but any anything with the, the AL or how those things get integrated but also how language forms and looking at how that then evolves into um, you know Catalan and Provençal and then it started me thinking of uh, reminding me about how you know at a certain point. In, in France, you know, kids weren't a, were being punished for speaking Provençal in school, and then drawing the correlation to the United States and Spanish-speaking kids getting punished for speaking Spanish in school, yeah. um, and drawing this, you know, large connection then to, um, you know, the way you use language and this very um, bicultural space that exists in border states. Um, you know, I think uh, San Diego probably has it better than us here, but it still exists. And it's, um, you know, definitely there was a moment, I know personally in, in my family story where, you know, my grandparents didn't wanna teach my, my mom and her, her, her uh, siblings um, Spanish because, uh, you know, it was, it was dangerous or not, you know, you, you get punished, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, and I think you can also look back to many immigrant stories where it was all about integration and, um, but that, but that you still keep some of these moments, these, these bicultural moments right. where things, things mix and then they end up being a part of the, the language and they, 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 it's actually, you need the, that mixing to be able to, to have language lit, like it, it really is always evolving and always um, um, growing. And I think that, that, yeah, it was kind of a roundabout monologue, but um, it just makes me then think back to yeah. the love songs. Yeah, it, it's pretty it's, neat. Yeah, yeah I, I think um, I was invited to go at a show at the Louvre in Paris and it was, they were getting out of the collection uh, paintings that dealt with cultural mixing, so like you know, African servers or you know just anything, and the stuff that we sent up there was like a, a, a series of work called El Corrido de Super Taco Gone Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when they called me, I'm like, what? Uh, the Louvre? Yes, yes, Cruz, just the FedEx number, just, just pack the shit and just get out. I'm like, uh, okay, and I'm packing shit, and they need some of it. So anyway. Um, but it was because of the, uh, you know, because of where I'm from, like that it was really, I guess, you know, obviously the interesting point was that they were able to see, you know, what I was working on. 
And really, the influence is like when I go back to music, like the romantic. So, like in Texas, there's Tejano. Tejano is like Texan. There's Tejano music. Tejano music is is the origins is called conjunto music. And conjunto music was it means together. Um, and what conjunto is is literally it was a, a, a duo. It was an accordion player and a twelve-string guitar player. And so they would come around and they would sing songs. Okay, now, um, uh, the Aztecs invite, invent the freaking accordion. Okay? Yeah, where'd the, where the, where the accordion come from? <laughs> <laughs> the accordion came from the Germans. Well, in central Texas, there's a huge German population. Uh, and so you have south towns like New Braunfels, uh, Castroville, you have you know, all these little funny you know, interesting towns. And so the, the, the you know, history nut and the crazy theorist, I, I have this amazing theory that there was this crazy drunk German with a stupid accordion and this crazy drunk Mexican hanging out, you know, with his guitar. And they're like, dude, let's make some music. <laughs> and so, like, they got it together and, like, hey, I kind of like this polka. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so now, like, I'm sure you all know Selena, and uh, my theory is like, uh, Selena would have never happened. Ah. If the drunk Mexicans and the drunk German never got to hang out. <laughs> That's my theory. You can remember. Because it's true. Like, and let's talk about that. Like, the Selena level, it's already its own thing. Like, you don't think about, oh, let's think about, you know, the cultural mixing of Selena. No, no, no. It's Selena. Like, it's what she is. She's already there. And so that's what's happening. Like we see that example everywhere um, in Texas. Like there's just, it, for some reason, it's, it's an obvious mix. Like if I go to like California, like I, I, you know, it's like integrated. It's fine. Everything's fine. But Texas is just like, like, you know, we've it's pretty you know intense, and um, so it's kind of interesting to see that the, how music and the origins of music. Have also had that history of mixing, and so that's the stuff that I find fascinating. Like it just, I just love that stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, so well, we're gonna wrap up here, and I thought it'd be fun to play one more song, and I was gonna play George Strait's Troubadour because we had talked about that earlier, but then you also just brought up Selena, so yeah. I don't, so I don't know. <laughs> so, oh, yes. so it might be nice to close with with another song. So yeah. um, you know. Okay, so I, do you, yeah, do you want to tell me which Selena we should listen to? Come yeah, come on. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. We need margaritas, people. <laughs> and chips. Like Bowls of chips. Okay, I'm going to take this out. It's fun stuff. Um, I, I, you know, this is. Okay, I'll just. Yeah, you know, Selena's actually really great. Like, if y'all seen the movie, it was kind of really cheesy in some ways, but. Um, but it talks a lot how she didn't know Spanish, like, and she just knew how to like sing it because her dad told her like this is the these are the lyrics, and, and then you know when she was interviewed in Mexico she's like, come uh, on, like you know, <laughs> you want to sing for you like, and my last the cumbia or which one, which one? Come on the floor. Yeah, come on the floor. Oh, come on the floor. Okay, here we go. Yeah, she's funny. I know. I was like. God, that's exactly my situation. There we go. <laughs> 
Even that beat, it's a very German beat. If you if you dig it, it's a I just know Kumala Flora means um, like a flower. Yeah, she's super, super awesome. It's not real. It's not a real Spanish speaker. Like you can tell. Like I can tell. Like uh, that's not. If she was like a, a, a fluent speaker, it wouldn't sound like that. She's very. She's speaking like a techno. Dance party. <laughs> the <laughs> cockpit turned into a dance party. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Cruz. And thank you. Um, I know that um, often we do questions. So I don't know if anybody had any no. questions to, um, to ask. Um, um, you know. And they'll be talking about this one. I, I do, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, when I, would, when I was first making work, um, it just made sense for me. Like I, I was raised in a very political family uh, in Houston, and they were always, you know, block walking for the candidates, and just it, be, it was a natural fit for me. And obviously, like I, I uh, try to be a responsible human citizen, and I even became a teacher because I wanted to help save the world. Like, and so yeah, that's always been the thing, and it's. It's funny because people will say like, well, he's a political artist. I'm like, oh, I mean, aren't we all? Right? I mean, some of us just kind of jab at it a little quicker and faster and harder. Um, we've, I've definitely done, I, 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 I don't ever denounce that style because I, I am a very political artist. Like, I am all about burning that shit down. Like, <laughs> like I, I just believe that's the American way. And, um, and it's my responsibility as American. So, poster making? Yeah, so like a lot of the work I do is screen printing, like I've wheat pasted cities, you know, with uh, all kinds of statements. So we're, 
have a huge, we actually were invited by Hillary Clinton during her campaign to represent the Latino coalition. So I was the artist that represented all the Latino communities. Um, yeah, it was pretty intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a burden. Yeah, it was a huge burden because yeah. I was like, what? What? Let go. I hung up the phone. Like, Hillary, go home. Block walk or something. So, yeah, I, it's just always been part of the work. Um, and, and some of the, the, I know that you were talking about Beto for Texas and some of the. Yeah, like currently, are, right now, we are, me and Olivia are just incredible, like, we, we use the art as far as fundraising for the political candidates in Texas. And it's Texas, y'all. It's, we're fucked. Right. It's pretty bad. Like, there's no other way. Like, special needs kids are done. Like, there's no funding for them. Uh, my, my daughter's special needs. So, like, uh, no, I'm going to burn some funds down. So, there's that. We were both educators. I, we, it was sickening to see teachers, all the teachers in Texas. Like all of them, all of them, just hands down. Uh, they, the the border healthcare is out of control. The mortality rate for children is just insane. Um, yeah, pregnant women are just dying, like just left and right. Um, healthcare for women is really non-existent. Like we're huge Planned Parenthood, you know. We and the studio essentially has become a fundraising magnet. So like, what's really interesting is that. Um, and it's another aspect. Snakehawk Press is a, another design firm that me and Olivia have, and we use that as kind of a, a push of different design. So we designed the Texas Democratic Convention. Uh, we did all the branding, all the logo work, all the collateral work, only because we were like, man, these conventions are so boring. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all ever been to a precinct, it was like, oh, damn, shut up, just fucking, go. like, you know what I mean, like. Let's get this one. I mean, that's how we are back home, but the conventions are even worse. And so we're like, man, we need to get those mills in there, those, those dumb millennials. Like, let's get them to, like, power, you know, get the base going. So we volunteer. We did pro bono work for that entire campaign. It was huge. Like, so we had, you know, Wendy Davis. Is, we know Wendy Davis really well, and she, it's just, it's been nuts. Like, it's literally the front lines of, of trying to get stuff done. And so that's been really romantic <laughs> of just getting that stuff done. So we we've actually are coming out with um, a couple of apps. With one of them is called the Boodle Brigade, and it's a app that some of the Harvey uh, we have the Texas Navy who was coming like with their boats to rescue people. So we're using that model, but it's for voter pickup and taking them to the polls. So it's an app, an interactive map where everyone knows where everyone's going. It's also walkie-talkie, like. I got, you know, precinct four, let's do totally that. So we're, we're developing, we're developing that right now. And we've also done, uh, we're doing Snapchat filters for all the voting polls. So like everyone likes those voting stickers. So like, nah, we'll have a Snapchat. So, <laughs> so that's become another thing as far as activation of the, of the voter base. Actually, there's only a big base. Like we're just trying to get people to vote, like anyone. So we're also working with two political uh, action committees in Texas, with Julian Castro, who's always, yeah, walking, the Castros are big friends of ours, so we're always working with them to get stuff done, and Beto's the big one. Yeah. Ted Cruz is coming. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I fully support Gina Jones, Ortiz, uh, Gina Ortiz Jones. Yeah, Gina, uh, yeah, we've got a couple, like, 
amazing candidates and we've been working non-stop like with Bethel we've already had two uh, we're going on tour with them uh, in South Texas and we're just taking the printing press and we're just gonna wheat paste all those damn cities and just you know Andrew there's definitely a, a, a lot more too to add to that. We could talk, we could <laughs> That's talk a about. whole other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, Lila. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. um, Lila had a question. So I always ask this question when we have podcasts here, because and it's much boring, much more boring than the question you just answered. But I like to, because we're an education public yeah. charity. I like to know about your process as an artist. Like, do you drive to a studio every day and work? Or what is your process morning till night on an average day as an artist? I, I um, was recently put on a schedule on my, my managerial <laughs> committee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so my process, I actually have it written down. It's at 5 o'clock. I wake up in the morning, 5.30, I'm painting till about 7.30. Uh, get the kids up, take them off to La La Land, get back in the, in the saddle, um, keep painting. Uh, I meet with my team, who's also the Sankar Press people. So I have two studio assistants that are just always like following through with you know what's going on on our schedule. And then it's those lunch meetings, like we just hit up lunch meetings and hitting those everywhere all over town. And then um, and then it's back to the to the office and just getting things done. Um, so yeah, it's pretty intense. And then of course dinners and. We're totally, me and my wife are gala whores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they always ask, they ask the artist to, you know, donate work for, for the gala. And I, of course, we always do it. Uh, I mean, it's a great tax write-off for me, so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> throw it in there. So, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. But that's the the real, like, schedule of Cruiser Geeks. But, um do you, do you have a day that you get to the studio and you say, yeah. I'm totally frozen, I don't know what to work on? That never happens. Oh. You are lucky. Oh. I know. It's, it's, I'm pretty, a main, I'm a maniac. <laughs> no, I really, really, I, if I'm not drawing or painting every day, it's something is totally wrong. And like, I switch my game. If that ever happens, uh, I don't even get there to that point. I just, I'll, I've strapped on canvases and my plain air box on my kayak and I hit the river and I just find a spot, unload, that looks good, and paint. And I fly fish, so I'm like dropping in the lures room. Like, you know, just anything to get out. I, we do, I've been to Big Bend a couple times or just painting out there in the mountains. Um, uh, depending on if I have a show, then it's just, that's when Olivia's like, oh my God, you already have work. Like, but I need more. Like, I'm just, I, yeah, I've already uh, built up a nice archive, and we're actually building an archive uh, storage space for all my work. And then the uh, University of Texas, University of Texas in San Antonio, uh, already collecting some work. And actually, the University of Santa Barbara is interested in collecting some of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the art move, work's always moving around. Smithsonian. You mean U UCSB? Yes. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're pretty Congratulations good. Congratulations on both fronts. Yeah, no, Very it's really good. No, the Smithsonian was really fun when they came over. They're like, Amazing. we want your papers. You're not done with everything, but we want your papers. So we've been, wow. we have a subscription with them to where they're like, we want the trash. I'm like, 
Alright. Box <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have that, I don't know. So, yeah, it's been pretty fun. So. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I just wa- also want to add that, um, I didn't say this at the beginning, but the um, posters and the t-shirts, as well as some of the artwork, is for sale this evening. And um, 10% is going to the Thomas Fire Artist Recovery Fund. I know. We are, thank you, Bruce. And we are also, um, we have a small raffle. There's a, our host last night, uh, Mission Audio Video, donated a um, Sonos uh, Play One, uh, retail value $200. Um, but we're saying if you make a donation in any amount, uh, you get entered into the raffle for that. So um, uh, come see me or Bruce um, about that. And um, thank you all for being here. Yay! Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Bruce.